Challenging men to be great men. Welcome to the Great Man Podcast with your host, New York Times bestselling author, Stephen Mansfield. Gentlemen, let us begin. I want to do something a little bit different in this podcast. Wherever I see you guys, wherever I interact with you online, you ask such great questions. And I want to cram as many answers to these questions as I possibly can into this podcast. You know, I like to keep the podcast short. I want you to be able to listen to it with a bunch of guys just in a break room or or on your drive to work or in a bathroom session. I want to, I want to be brief and informative so you can do more than have to listen. So let's see how many answers to these wonderful questions you ask uh, that range over every kind of subject, by the way, that I can cram into the next few minutes. So number one, One guy asks me what technique I use that most helps me stay in shape when I'm traveling. They know I travel a great deal, and so they're asking about that dynamic. Well, let me tell you, this is one of the great challenges of my life because I am constantly traveling. But the thing that's made the biggest difference for me is to travel with resistance bands. Now, if you don't know what resistance bands are, look them up online. Uh, I travel with a kit of resistance bands made by Lifeline. Let me say quickly, I have no connection to any company I'm going to mention in this podcast. I'm not sponsored by anybody. I don't make any money off any of this. So I like Lifeline. You get these long, thick rubber tubes that fit into these heavy-duty plastic handles. um, And there's this uh, loop that I call an anchor And I usually end up anchoring it in a door. I put it right by the hinges of a door and then close the door on it. You'll you'll see when you get it what it's like. It's got this rubber kind of wide spot on on one end of this loop. And so I can anchor this thing uh, to a bed post or or, or uh, the foot of a bed or, or in a door. And now I can do all kinds of exercises, upper and lower body. And there are also exercises I can do just holding the thing, standing on it, pushing upwards, do, doing, for example, military presses while I'm standing on the, uh, on the, on the bands. You, you'll, you'll get a booklet when you get this kit. And uh, there are lots of videos on YouTube. And um, anyway, to keep it brief, I use resistance bands a lot. Now, you still have to get your aerobic workout in. So I go cycle or I swim or I go for long walks or, you know, play what sports I can. But when I'm traveling, I usually can't play racquetball or, you know, get into a volleyball game or whatever. So lifeline resistance bands have made a huge difference for me. Difference for me. I've been able to muscle up. I've been able to get my, my heart pumping, get my blood moving, get breathless, uh, do it about 20, 30 minutes and do it in my hotel room. Off of that, I don't have a lot of time. So there you go. Um, because I've ventured into the area of style a little bit in this podcast, uh, some guys are asking me, what, what's the most important toiletry innovation? <laughs> That's a phrase I never would have used before. But what's the most important toiletry innovation that I have discovered? And I'll have to tell you, I think I've already spoken about it in an earlier podcast. Uh, I have found that shaving oil is pretty amazing. I don't use shaving cream, and therefore I don't have to travel with big cans and pressurized cans and all that. And I've actually learned that shaving cream uh, of a certain kind can actually be uh, tough on the skin. So I use shaving oil, um, and they advertise that you know four or five drops really lets you shave. I doubted that when I first heard it. I have a pretty thick beard, um, but I, I got to tell you, it's true. 
And I shave better, smoother, faster, and I have a whole lot less stuff to carry around. So I use a a shaving oil made by Somersets, S-O-M-E-R-S-E-T-S. Um, but there are, there are a lot of them on the market now. And that's, that's, I got to tell you, um, something I've really enjoyed doing something that makes my skin better, something that makes shaving better, um, and more enjoyable and saves me a lot of space because like I say, I travel a lot, uh, continuing with the toiletries and, uh, kind of, uh, you know, care of body theme. Uh, a guy asked me what men's vitamins I use. Well, I was reading and I picked up one day in a, in a Delta sky lounge, uh, a copy of Men's Health, and they were recommending uh, some vitamins made by Berkley Jensen, B-E-R-K-L-E-Y slash Jensen, J-E-N-S-E-N. So I switched from the, you know, one-a-days that I was taking and, and took these, um, and I like them. I mean, I can't, I'm not a doctor. I can't verify that they're making a massive difference in my body, um, but some things I can feel are better, um, and uh, I, I'm not going to get into detail about that, but um, I like them. They're big. They come in a great big container. Uh, they end up being about per pill what the you know men's daily vitamins would be kind of thing. Um, so that's that's what I take. It's a little harder to find. I think you can get it on Amazon. Uh, but Berkeley Jensen are the ones I use, and I've had a lot of other guys tell me they switched over to those too. Uh, somebody said, what's the biggest change that you ever made when it came it came to being a man. As I grew from, you know, being an idiot like most of us are at one point in our lives to being a guy who at least was aware of what a man ought to be, what was the biggest change? And I'll tell you, it's one I talk about all the time. It's the idea of taking responsibility. Uh, there are many other skills that a man needs to acquire. There are many other things he needs to be about. But when I began to realize I was not an irresponsible man at any point in my life where I just aban- completely abandoned, you know, ran away from marriages or, you know, wouldn't take care of the house or love the kids. You know, I was a, I was a, I was a guy who you know, took, took care of the house and loved on the kids and helped in homeschooling and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, but uh, what I'm saying is that the biggest sense was I'm responsible. We're dealing with something. I'm responsible. Child needs something. I'm responsible. Wife's having a tough time. I'm going to find out. We're going to fix it. Um, that's, that's the big change for me. I used to see responsibilities kind of divided up. My wife, my wife had her responsibilities. I had mine. Let's parcel it out to everybody. The kids have theirs. But as I grew and began to realize it wasn't that I had to do everything, but I did need to take responsibility for everything. And mainly by the way, before God in my prayer life and in my sense of owning it in my heart and making sure it got done. And, um, I'll tell you what, when I, when I, if I could describe to you the look in Bev's face, when something comes into our lives and I say, I got it, I'll handle it. The peace, the joy, the pride, the happiness, the sense of rest. That makes, that's, that, I got to tell you, that makes it all worthwhile right there. Um, another guy asked, because he wants to pry into my life. He says, what was, your, what was the thing you abused the most? Uh, before you came into understanding what a noble, what a great man is, what's the thing you abused the most? Well, I have to say it was words. Um, I didn't understand the power of my words. I liked smack talk. I grew up as a jock in a military, in a military environment. Um, I like, you know, strong language. I like guys smacking each other around. And I got to tell you that I, I probably wounded a lot of people with my words. I'm not saying I cuss at them and rage them. I've never backed a woman up against a wall and yelled at her or, you know, any of that kind of extreme stuff you see in the movies. But I could just be sharp. I could be cutting. I obviously have a gift for words. You know, obviously I'm a writer and a speaker. So in my early life, before I really learned to master it, I, I'm sure I used words a great deal to harm people. And uh, as I began to understand the power of words, the power to unlock destiny, the power of words to live in a soul throughout an entire life of a child or a wife, 
um, the power of words to ennoble, the power of words to inspire. Uh, that's the biggest change I made. That's the thing I abused the most, and it's the thing that I that I found the greatest fruit from once I began to master it. The biggest change was taking responsibility, but the thing I abused and then used as a positive tool was words. Another guy asked, how do you treat women in a way that is good and noble and manly? Um, he's obviously coming out of this Me Too movement. This this guy, he's writing, this, writing me this and wanting to know, how do you do it? I got to tell you that that in my case, and it might help me that I'm a little bit older than some of you guys listening, but in my case, I find that treating younger women like sisters and older women like mothers um, is the way to go. I do, I do three things. Younger women, women by my own age and, and much younger, I treat like, like sisters, or, or in my case, daughters. I'm in my 50s. So if I like, like I just spent Easter with my daughter in New York and went out with a bunch of her roommates, and they're all in their early 20s. And uh, so I treat them all like daughters. It's easy for me. I'm a little older. But uh, women who are that age or older, I either treat them like daughters or I treat them like sisters. And I'll, and I'll talk to them that way. Like I'll start, I'll start saying, hey, sis, what do you think about this? And it, it sets the relationship in a certain mode. It removes some of the male-female sensitivity that's there. I mean, even if I'm in my 50s and I'm with a 28-year-old girl, I'm still with a woman. Uh, I'm still a male. Uh, you know, and I'm, I, I'm not afraid of women, by the way. I, I think men sometimes in this, in this Me Too movement are, are becoming afraid of women and what challenges they might mean or what they might say later. Well, if you keep it clean and walk it right, you know, women are nothing to be afraid of, for heaven's sakes. So I turn relationships with women my age and younger into sister relationships real fast. Like I say, I'll call them sis. Um, I'll, I'll relate to them that way. I, I, I only give uh, fatherly, brotherly kinds of hugs. You understand what I'm saying? Uh, side hugs around the shoulders. Um, you know, I, I, I talk to that way. I relate to them that way. I ask about their lives that way, the same way I would talk to my daughter. Um, with, with older women, I just, I just turn it into a mother-son relationship. Uh, I just I just relate that way, and they like it. Now, not, I'm not going to be insulting about that, by the way. A woman who's one year older than I am, <laughs> you know, she might be insulted if I talk to her like she's a mom. But I'm talking about somebody who's quite a bit older than I am. I immediately turn that into a mom relationship. And I'll tell you the main thing that I do is either in actuality, meaning physically, or at least verbally, I bring my wife into my relationships with my with with the women that I know. Um, it's not like I shove her between myself and another woman like a shield. Um, but I, but I mentioned my wife and Hey, we'll, we look forward to having you guys over. And my wife would love talking to you. And, uh, you know, I tell this, I say this to Bev all the time. I'll say, you know, this, just, just little quick phrases. It's not like I'm jamming my wife in their, their face. Like there's some kind of threat, you know, and I need superwoman to stand between us. That would be insulting. I'm not afraid of women. I'm not, I'm not nervous about anything, but I do invoke Bev and I do, bring Bev into the relationship. And she does the same thing with men. In fact, we do it with everybody. I do it with my guy friends. My guy friends know that I mention Bev a lot. It's because we're one and we walk closely together in things. And if you're going to relate to me, you're going to have to relate to her. And we might as well, might as well talk about that right up front. And if somebody doesn't like that idea, well, then they've got some other agenda, something else going, and there's no reason for us to continue talking. If any woman in my life is offended by me mentioning my wife, and, and by the way, I do it just naturally, you know, like, yeah, my wife cooks like that, or, you know, my wife says that same thing. And um, if that offends some woman, well, then she's she's got something in her head that's not going to happen. Um, so I, I love doing that, and I do it mainly because I love my wife. But also, if you're going to be in my life, you're going to be in my world, you're going to be with my wife. And it's important for us to, to be able to talk that way. 
Okay, move it a little faster then. Uh, some guys have asked, what are, what are my favorite books? And I talk about this all the time, so I'll keep it really brief. Uh, one of my favorite books about men, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, is John Eldridge's Wild at Heart. Most guys who listen to this podcast know that I like that very much. One of my favorite academic books about men and the feminization of American culture is by Anne Douglas. She's a Columbia University scholar, Anne Douglas. And the book is what I've already said. It's titled The Feminization of American Culture. And I think it's very, very valuable. A little bit academic, obviously, but very valuable. And one of my all-time favorite books for men in general, just just fun book, is called The Illustrated Art of Manliness, put out by those great people, my buddy Brett McKay uh, and his wife and others working with him at The Art of Manliness. If you haven't checked out The Art of Manliness podcast, The Art of Manliness website, um, you're just missing some stuff, but they've done a fantastic book. Their illustrations, I'm going to steal that illustrator one day, their illustrations are great. And this is just a book of practical manly lore, the kind of stuff you would have learned from your father if he had been Daniel Boone, <laughs> you know, just just fun stuff. Uh, some guys ask about my favorite uh, films when it uh, comes to men. You know what? I've just got too many to name, but let me just name a few. Um, I love the theme in Seabiscuit of wounded, damaged men helping, fi- helping to fix each other as they commit themselves to a great cause, this magnificent horse. I love the theme in It's a Wonderful Life of a man having dreams, having to lay them down for his family and other causes, uh, but then realizing the good that was accomplished anyway in his life. I love that theme. Uh, and, you know, there are many other movies I could mention, but one of the ones I love the most when it comes to friendship and, and male bonding is Braveheart. Now, it's got some violence in it. It's got a, I think it's got a nude scene in it. Um, so be careful about that stuff, especially if you're a dad. Um, but Seabiscuit, Wonderful Life, Braveheart, probably my top three. But in Mansfield's Book of Manly Men, I think I list 10, and all of them are great. I could probably do another 20 uh, if I had time. So there are a lot of great movies out there now uh, that I explore some part of male relationships, male achievement, the male soul, and I love them. Somebody asked me, what's the greatest challenge I've ever had to being a, a good or noble man? Now, I certainly haven't arrived yet, but I will say that the greatest challenge for me has been bitterness. I've had a very blessed life. I haven't been hurt or wounded very much. I have been betrayed by some friends in my 50-some years. And, uh, you know, bitterness does not have to be a great, big, explosive experience uh, for it to dominate your life. It can be small, and then you can just let it dominate your life. So even though I've had relatively minor betrayal, you know what I'm saying, in other words, nobody murdered me or killed my family or, you know, stole my fortune or anything like that, but, but, but I have been betrayed by some... Uh, people I loved, even some family members. Um, so, so keeping that clean in my heart, praying for them every day, um, walking out forgiveness, uh, not wanting to bomb their house. You understand what I'm saying? That's what I've had to work hard on. Okay, two more real quick. I know we've gone a little over time. One is, one guy says, what's the greatest criticism you have of modern man? Well, that's, that's a little too broad for me to answer truthfully um, in one answer. I will tell you this. Most men today, because we live in a high media verbal age, most men talk too much and do too little. They talk too much and do too little. The other day I was in a restaurant by myself just reading and and having a sandwich before I went to a meeting. And I listened to a guy who I think was actually kind of on a date. He talked this woman to death. And I looked over and here's this pretty girl and he should have been wooing her and drawing her out and trying to hear her. They were both single. I could tell by the way they were talking and relating to each other. And he just talked like he was her girlfriend. Um, And I got to tell you, you could tell she did not find it attractive. 
So I think men talk too much and do too little. Uh, I don't want them to be troglodytes. I don't want them to be shut down and unable to talk and unable to be expressive. But I do want them to learn how to do more than talk and put a guard on their mouth. Finally, a guy says, what's the most important thing that you and your wife do to encourage romance in your marriage? None of your dang business. No, I'm just playing. I'll tell you, in our modern world, and especially given the lives that Bev and I lead, it's manage the schedule. We schedule days off. We turn off phones. We schedule to be together for evenings. We schedule, I'm not saying we schedule every romantic thing, but we will say we're going, we're going away to a hotel. We're not telling anybody where we're going for this weekend, or we're going to shut down our home and turn off our phones and just hide away. Uh, or we're going to go somewhere where nobody can reach us. Or can we just, can we just sleep in tomorrow and, and not do any business until after lunch? You know, that kind of thing. You have to do the schedule. Call it what you want. I've picked on the idea of date nights before, but I'm, but I'm coming around that some folks just, that's, the, that's what they need to have in their lives. Do what you need to do. But if you can't talk schedule with your spouse, if you can't set time for everything from sex to romance to business meetings to whatever, you're, you're not going to have romance. And don't forget the great principle that my, my dear friend Rice Brooks taught me. Ain't no romance without finance. You got Men, you got to take care of the financial situation at home so she feels secure and romance will increase as part of it. All right, we'll do this again. Those are all the questions that I had in my hot little hand. Went a little long, but I want to be able to equip you guys as much as you can, I possibly can, so that you can be the great men you're called to be. To join the Great Man community or to book Stephen to speak at your men's event, go to greatman.tv. You'll learn about Stephen Mansfield's two essential books for men, Mansfield's Book of Manly Men and Building Your Band of Brothers, as well as some other great resources for becoming a great man. The Great Man Podcast is a Mansfield Group production.